Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Real Estate Talk. I am Susan Rager and a real estate broker here in Arizona, and this is my very first podcast. Um, I uh, started this podcast because I wanted to reach people and share my real estate experience and hopefully get you to contribute with your real estate experience, and we can all have a cooperative real estate experience, which is a kind of a new trend in the real estate field. So, uh, welcome. Um, I wanted to give you a little background on who I am. Um, I have been an entrepreneur since 1993. I walked out of uh, the paycheck world, so to speak, uh, in 1993. I've created over three companies from the ground up and sold <clears throat> a few of them. Um, I create companies and, and LLCs and businesses all the time. I keep all of my uh, my businesses separate and go. Uh, we, we can go into how to do that sort of thing uh, later on if you do more than real estate or want to do more than real estate. This podcast is basically designed for the real estate professional, although if you are an entrepreneur or business-minded, you'll also get information here as well. Um, not all of my businesses are real estate related, but a lot of them are. So... Um, I really enjoy running my own businesses and enjoy sharing that information with people. I um, I really enjoy the freedom of running my own business. And those of you who work for commission checks understand that you the under you understand the freedoms, you understand that uh, the responsibilities as well. It's not like uh, working at the down the store down the, on the corner where you get a paycheck every two weeks but when you go home the, you hang your business hat up and then you uh, put on your party hat a lot of us in business for ourselves work seven days a week 24 hours a day I'm here to share with you you don't have to do that and that's another podcast we'll get into is uh, time uh, management versus time dominance and I don't think that a lot of us um, really prioritize our time and therefore, we are a slave to our business as opposed to being the business owner. Um, but mostly, owning your own company gives you the freedom to enjoy uh, your own business. And um, I've gone through quite a number of hard times with my businesses, a lot of lean times, a lot of ramen uh, and my macaroni and cheese nights uh, versus steak and potato nights. Um, I can share those experiences with you and want and want to share them with you in the hopes that you can learn that you're not the only one out there uh, living paycheck to paycheck, commission check to commission check, and how hopefully learn some things here to change that if you are um, and become more of a business manager uh, of your business rather than a business slave. Um, a little more about me. I've had multiple careers. I've been a medic. I was a teacher for many years. I've been a counselor and advisor for over 15. I am now a real estate broker. I was an agent. Um, I've also worked in retail, many different types of retail, but one of my favorite, favorite, favorite jobs of all was um, retail coffee. Uh, no, I didn't work for Starbucks, but um, Starbucks has a great uh, work ethic and mentality, and we'll discuss Starbucks on another podcast. But right now, um, I did learn an awful lot about coffee, so every now and then I'll talk to you about coffee connoisseur and what a good cup of coffee is like. I learned how to roast and how to taste, uh, which is more than a lot of people uh, learn when they work in retail coffee. Um, I've had employees. 
I've been a, a boss, so to speak. Um, I owned a flower business and I had girls who worked my flower store with me. Uh, I've been a website designer and had websites uh, made for me by uh, website people. And I'll tell you, they are a different breed when you get website designers in, in your midst. Um, so they're, you know, the psychological aspect of working with someone from retail floral to uh, website design is is a whole different ballgame as well as a real estate agents if you are a sales manager and you and you have a team of agents under you I I laughingly joke and and I've heard this before that um, trying to get realtors together is like a herding cats uh, everyone's looking every different way and I find it really comical when I go to a real estate uh, seminar or class and uh, you know there there's two types of people in the real estate business <clears throat> those that during the 10 minute break rush out and have a cigarette and uh, those that rush out and jump on their cell phones uh, and then there's the few of us left who actually march to the ladies room but um you know it, it, some of them are on their on their cell phones with a cigarette it's kind of amazing that um these people jump on their phone because that deal is just gonna happen it's just gotta happen and and we gotta sign that paper and it's i kind of walk around in, in earshot of all these people about uh, the stress level I watch in their faces as they're they're calling title companies and frantically making deals between these um, continuing education classes. Um, so I've watched agents and uh, I have agents that belong in, in my brokerage under me. And I've uh, had the, the uh, occasional assistant. Um, more often than not, I've had an assistant. Um, you know, all of them have had incredible qualities and, uh, you know, everybody's different. So, um, it's, uh, I've been, I've been battered and bruised by my assistants, I think more than anyone else. So uh, again, you know, maybe a podcast should be done on hiring to your weakness, um, and, and what to give assistance and, and how to treat them. Um, my philosophy in business is not to be the boss. Yeah. I'm the business owner. I own a lot of my companies, 100%. Um, um, I, I don't play with others, uh, well with others, and I don't run, I don't, I, and I run with scissors. So um, I always say that when my husband gets, you know, uh, with me, I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I know I run with scissors and I don't play well with others. So I, I am, in essence, the boss, the owner, the final say. But I don't like to be bossy. And I know that that's very hard to do a lot of times when you're the one making the decision and you're the one writing the checks and you're the one. Uh, it's very hard not to be bossy and it's very hard not to to make uh, demands on people. You have to, especially when you need uh, people to do certain things. Like if uh, if you are a broker and you're listening, just getting the agent's paperwork on time uh, can be tricky. You know, a lot of times they, they don't get it in on time. And you've got to give a, you know, you know, how many times can you give them a call before you finally say, hey, look, I'm, I'm tired of this. Um, so there's a fine line between being a decision maker and being a boss. And I don't like to be anyone's boss. Um, please and thank you go a long way uh, when I'm asking my assistant to do something uh, or writing an email or even a fax cover. Um, one of my mandatory things, any, anyone who works for me knows or whoever receives an email from me knows that um, it comes equipped with a smiley uh, face only because uh, it just adds a it adds a human quality to it that a lot of times we forget.
I love teaching, training people, coaching them, uh, sharing my ideas. One of the most exciting things that I did when I became a broker was I held sales contract classes for my new agents. I, I brought on seven brand new agents who had never written a contract in their lives. And it was important to me that that contract become their best friend because that's what we do, especially in Arizona. I'm not sure what state you're listening in, uh, but we here in Arizona uh, are trained to write the contract. We don't have to have a lawyer present. We uh, are the real estate legal advice for that uh, buyer or seller. So we have to know what we're getting them to sign, and we have to know how to explain it. So I felt it my job and duty to get these agents to be as comfortable with that contract as fast as possible. So I put together some really cool training classes and some training materials <clears throat> to teach these uh, new agents how to feel comfortable with that contract. And that's one of the things that I don't feel is stressed enough. Uh, we can go out and lead generate all day long. But I'll tell you one of the first things that scared me when I was a new agent was, you know, yeah, I'm out there trying to generate a lead, whatever that means. And then all of a sudden, what if I do get a lead? I don't know what to do with them. Uh, I can remember my first listing um, was a referral. So I didn't have to do a listing presentation. But I did have to get them to sign the listing paperwork. And I remember sweating the scene sitting in the car 15 minutes before I go in there because I had not really studied this listing agreement. And I'll tell you, it, uh, it made me a bit nervous to go in and not look like I knew what, what I was doing. So I, I didn't want to put my agents in that position. So we went over contracts and listings and paperwork. And, and uh, I actually had one agent say to me, well, if I had known you were going to have all these training classes, I would have gone somewhere else. And I thought, oh, great. Um, maybe I'm badgering these people too much by edu over-educating them. But, um, oh, well kill me. <clears throat> I do uh, a lot of motivational reading, uh, studying, seminars. Um, I love motivational books. I love motivational tapes and motivated people. Um, I'm going to start a companion podcast to this that will be more of the emotional, philosophical, and motivational end of things. Um, I'm going to keep the business from this philosophical uh, podcast separate for the simple reason is that a lot of people uh, have their own ideas on, on uh, philosophical points or motivational points and they really want to keep business business and you know spiritual emotional philosophical points separate so um, There'll be companion podcasts that you can certainly listen to if you're of the mind. But that way, those of you who are here for the bottom line, you're going to get the bottom line. And for the others who want a little more color between their black and white, um, you can certainly grab it in the, in the additional podcast. And they will be labeled accordingly. One will be business-oriented, and the others will be more philosophical-oriented, but more motivational to dig deeper into why we're doing what we're doing as opposed to how we're doing what we're doing. Hopefully the podcasts will provide an outlet for me to teach you and coach as well as motivate and to get some response back from you. There has always been occasions where when I have tried to share something I've learned um, that someone somewhere teaches me something. So 
this is a great win-win situation, and that's the only type of game I play. If it's not win-win, I don't play. So um, I look forward to discussions, uh, emails. I, I am always on the AIM mobile chat, even while I'm podcasting. So um, hopefully we'll get a time where we can get together and have some, some live chats and, and immediate questions and feedback. Um, but I certainly look forward to responses to my podcast so that I can refine them and get you some information that you're looking to hear. Um, we will be discussing a lot of topics related to real estate since, again, this is the Real Estate Talk and we're looking to focus on real estate. We're going to be talking about sales, buyers, and sellers, um, what to do in various situations. Uh, I remember when I was a new agent and my mentor of all people told my told his seller uh that I was a brand new agent and that I would just accept a commission cut. So just don't worry about it. And that, it, that seller said that right in front of the buyer and I looked really dumb. Um, and was in, that was the, the gentleman who was teaching me how to do real estate who said that. So, you know, <clears throat> how do we handle situations like that? How do we, how do we diplomatically and professionally put people in their place when we have to or tell people, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I've shown you 50 houses, you know, how much more can I handle before I, you know, kill you and, and make you sign a house, you know, at gunpoint. So um, let's talk about the frustrating situations of buyers and sellers and how we can perfect our uh, dialogue in order to make them better clients and us better uh, real estate professionals. Uh, contracts are my favorite. Of course, I know I am very familiar with the Arizona contract. I am not familiar with your state contract. So if you do have contracts you want to discuss, go ahead and email them to me first and we'll, we'll review them. But basic concepts, uh, timelines, black and white issues, who gets the earnest money, who doesn't get the earnest money. Uh, let me know a little bit if you have any questions or want to talk about those types of things. Again, we're going to talk about your business versus your job. Um, how many of you uh, have a job as a realtor? You're just a realtor. I'm just a realtor. What do you do? I'm a realtor. Um, or do you have a business as a realtor? Do you run your own real estate business? Whether you're a broker or not, as an agent, you are your own business. So do you keep books? Do you have a separate checkbook that you use? Do you use any type of um, accounting software? How much do you spend on marketing? How do you approach your business? Uh, we're going to do uh, an interview, uh, a little scenario, and see if you would hire you. Uh, that's kind of a fun one that I like to do. Um, you know, if you're viewing real estate as a job, um, odds are you're not getting as much out of it as, as you would if you were running a business. Uh, so... If we're looking to make more money, certainly we're going to look at it as a business. We need to discuss budgets, expenses, the necessary items versus the impulse items. Realtors fall prey to websites and leads and all kinds of stuff that are out there that are just sapping our money. And, uh, and uh, motivational speakers and, and seminars and classes and books and tapes um, that don't always work or do work for a time or we don't put our full effort into them. Uh, all that sort of thing. 
So we're going to discuss a lot of that in other podcasts. We'll be talking about lead generation techniques that are free or cheap or fun. Uh, I'm into all of those. Um, I like free. I shouldn't say cheap. I should say inexpensive. Um, creative. I like the outside of the box ideas. Everyone in the world has done a farm kit. Everyone in the world does open houses and they, they just bore me to death. Um, we'll be talking about lead generation uh, ways to generate leads and ways to generate profits without spending a lot of money. Um, time management, time dominance again. Um, just for a little uh, teaser, uh, last year I wrote over 50 contracts. Um, f uh, I wrote about 60, 47 of them closed. I still have two on the books. Um, I had a few fall out. I, I grossed over about 260,000 in commissions um, and I worked under 20 hours a week uh, I work Monday through Friday my phone rings uh, I tell people on my message they rings 10 to 4 I usually don't answer till about 10:30, and I usually stop answering about 10 to 4 uh, on the rare occasion if I'm expecting a title company I'll answer about 4 o'clock um, I have a, my assistant <clears throat> who does answer the phone more and check emails during that time but time management is, that's a, a heavy phrase, and, and we were going to get into that. Uh, time dominance is more uh, what's going on out there when you're, you know, chasing your tail on a Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock and your family wants to know where you are and what's going on for dinner, and you're uh, putting buyers and sellers in your car and not um, paying attention to that there. So we're going to get into some of that as well as uh, some other things that are important. And, and these will probably be mentioned more in the uh, supplemental podcasts where we get into balancing your life, uh, balancing the financial, the business, the family, personal and spiritual. All those five key points need to be in place and, and, and progressing in order for you to be a success. Um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk also about the four stages of growth. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, I'm going to mention them here, but we will get into more depth in other, in other sessions. The four stages of survival, stability, success, and significance. Um, they have many names, and, and we'll go over them uh, one line at a time. But I know so many agents who have been in the business 30-plus years, you get that, uh, when you talk to a lot of them, the, you get this attitude of, I know everything, I've been around, I, I, I've forgotten more than you'll ever know, honey, uh, attitude. And yet, when it comes time to pay the paychecks, they're, they're screaming, running down to the title company to put that check in the bank um, because they just wrote a bunch of bills and their bills are bouncing. And um, this isn't an exaggeration. This really happened. I... Um, was working as a transaction secretary for an agent uh, 30 plus years in the business. Uh, fantastic lady, had a great, uh, great scripts. She could, she could turn a, a, a cold lead into a, into a buyer uh, like I never saw anyone do. But yet, I mean, right down to the wire, she said, whatever you do, don't cash that check I gave you because uh, they held, they held my check. They held my $3,000 check and, uh, I just paid a bunch of bills and all my bills are going to bounce. So Susan, whatever you do, don't cash that check I gave you. Um, 
and it really kind of struck me funny is here's an agent 30 years in the business knows her business back and forth but doesn't run it as one and uh, you know what happens when she wants to retire is she going to have any money to retire on if she's been 30 years in the business and I won't reveal an age but she was uh, not 32 let's put it that way and um, uh, does she have a savings account? Does she have an IRA? Uh, what happens if she had a bad year? 2006 was not the greatest year for all realtors. So what happened to her, uh, you know, nest egg if there was any? And what happened in 2006 with, you know, a lot of the, my realtor friends who are top producers, big, big, big people in the business, and they had, they had less than, you know, less than one third of the sales they're used to making. Oh, a friend of mine uh, who will... Hopefully, I'll be able to interview him on the show. Um, has a coaching program he uses and a, and a methodology that he's been following now for about six of the nine years he's been in business. And uh, he likes closing about 33 houses a year. And he works about 30 hours a week and uh, enjoys his business. And he's a single dad. And he uh, plays a lot of golf and, and makes a significant amount of money. And when I spoke to him last year... He had about nine sales, and he's used to closing 33. The year prior to that, he did 42, and he said it almost just destroyed his personal life and, and his spiritual side. And, all. you know, like I said, we we're going to talk about the balance. Uh, so he said 30, 33 sales a year uh, make, a really, make a really good living for him, and then he has the time to live his life with his son um, in the lifestyle that he has chosen. But last year, he had nine sales, and he said he'd be lucky. Lucky if he came near and broke a hundred thou last year uh you know i know that sounds like some agents out there are sitting there thinking hundred thou i wish i made a hundred thou and i know other agents who said man i may you know if i don't make 180 then i'm suffering so where are you when it comes to what you average a year and what happens if those sales don't come in so we're going to talk about those uh, those types of situations. Um, you know what happens to that, what's going on there. Um, so time management and uh, making money is a big thing, and that's what you know. That's 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 the bottom line, gang, is making money. Um, we're going to talk, uh, you know, on the on the uh, complimentary the uh, complimentary podcast about the emotional part of making money but is that such a terrible thing is making money or saying i want to make money a terrible thing when people ask me or actually don't even ask me people who know me uh know what i do for fun and what i do for fun is i make money i invent businesses i invent products i i can put together a business at a dinner table around a a funny shaped spoon uh, next thing you know, I've got a whole business, you know, everyone's laughing uh, about my funny shaped spoon business, and I'm, that's an example, but um, I have a very creative head for entrepreneurial situations, um, and that's what I do for fun. I, I enjoy it. Uh, I make money at some of them. Some of them are just for fun. Some, of them, some people laugh at me and say, remember when you had that idea to do such and such? And I say, hey, that would have made money. And they, they smile and they laugh and they said, yeah, whatever. Um, so is making money a terrible thing? Well, if it was, we wouldn't be in real estate where this, there is absolutely no ceiling in real estate. You can make 20000 you can make $20 million. 
Um, and you can make 20 million without killing yourself. I can hear a lot of you now, but, but, but Susan, I, you know, I, I work all the time and I only make 40 grand and, and I work all the time. And I, you know, if I, if I made, if I had to double my money, I'd, I don't know where I'd find the time. Well, again, we're going to talk about that, but some of the whys, let's, let's forget the how we're going to get into hows later on in other podcasts. I want to jump into a little bit of the whys, uh, why why do I, Susan, why do, why do, why do I want to make money? Um, well, what about for peace of mind? What about to, to go to bed halfway through the month and know that all the bills are paid? What about knowing that you've already got next month's mortgages and car payments and food money and all of that in the bank already and it's not even February 10th? What if that were the case? Would that be peace of mind? Would it bring you peace of mind to uh, uh, know that all the bills were paid by February 10th? And um, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, the tire blew out. Oh no, now I got to buy a tire. And he says that the other ones are going too. And how could I let this happen? And next thing you know, you're, you're down and in for what, a couple hundred bucks for tires. Um, unless you have 17 inch ones or big tires or white letters or something then you're in for even more money um, what if you knew you had it in the bank what if you knew that you could just write a check for that or pay it on the credit card and know that you'd have the money at the end of the month to pay it off or you wanted a new computer um, or you wanted to take a trip what if some somebody said hey I'm um, you know let's let's go to the shore for a weekend or the you know the shore that's East Coast yeah I'm, I'm East Coast um, what about the going to the beach or seeing a concert? You know, concerts are expensive. Um, you know, those types of things. What, what would it take? You know, wouldn't that be nice to have that kind of freedom in your work? You, you have freedom to be a realtor, which gives you that Tuesday afternoon to go get your hair done or play golf or sit and watch your favorite TV show. But, you know, it also gives you the the, the ability to make the money to have the, enjoy the freedom the other freedoms um, making money takes away the knots in your stomach and lowers your blood pressure because you don't have to worry come the 25th oh my gosh I better stick that money in the bank how am I gonna pay the mortgage how am I gonna pay the rent how am I gonna pay the car payment everything's due on the first I hate the first um, not living paycheck to paycheck or commission check to commission check. I can't tell you how many times I've had a stomach ache over a closing because I knew I needed that $5,000 or, oh man, man, where are we going to get the car payment if I, don't, if I don't have that money? If that doesn't close, I don't know what we're going to do. And uh, some people live like that and, and it's that's survival mode and it's not good. It's not good health-wise. It's not good budget-wise. Um, and it certainly, uh, it certainly puts an added pressure on you as a professional because now you're badgering people, you're badgering the lender, you're screaming at people um, to make these things happen. Um, I can recall a situation where I had 13 contracts and a couple of them are falling out and a few of them were on fire and uh, this one fell out and this one was a pain in the in the rear as far as a buyer goes I said oh thank god they canceled just thank god I don't even want the commission they're just really really bad people to work with I don't I'm just so glad they're gone and didn't suffer 
that I wasn't making the commission on that house because I had money in the bank and I had other contracts in the pipelines and it was just peace of mind and, and no known panic in my stomach and no knots and, and knew I could just let them go. Um, that's what having and making money does. It gives you the power to be in control. It also gave us the power in our house to have a nice car. And I'll tell you, having a car that's less than three years old is a blessing. I've had many a jalopy. You know, I think I, I, think I owned Chitty Chitty Bang Bang for a while. Um, and yeah, there's a certain freedom to no car payments. Uh, but there's an awful lot less freedom when you can't get the blasted thing to work and you've got to tow it down to the local station um, to put a new water heater on or water or whatever water cooler every time I turn around it was a new something on this old jalopy so having a car that's under three years old that gets in and the air conditioning actually works which is important in Arizona in the summer um, that's nice the windshield wipers actually work and uh, and the uh, it's just nice uh, cruise control you know I got I've got things that that other people have so um, making money allows me to have that, which gives me peace of mind. Um, we have a, a small child, and to have those airbags, uh, side curtain airbags in the vehicle, that was, a, was mandatory for me, so that, that he would be safe while we're driving down the road in case someone was talking on their cell phone, not paying attention to us. Um, that's really, really important. That's what money does. Why do we want to make money? Why do you want to make money? Why do you want to make more money? What can you have with more money? And that's something I want you to think about. And if you want to email me uh, with what you could do with more money or why you need more money or why you don't need more money, um, I would be interested in, in hearing those things. Um, you can reach me. Uh, my email is... Uh, Mizuzi, M-I-Z-Z-O-O-Z-I-E, at gmail.com. It's M-I-Z-Z-O-O-Z-I-E, Mizuzi, at gmail.com. Um, I'm also on AIM, A-I-M, as Mizuzi, M-I-Z-Z-O-O-Z-I-E. And I leave that on during the day. In fact, my AIM is on longer than my voicemail for my office. Um... I also have a blog at uh, www.reandi.blogspot.com. Um, That's www.reandi.blogspot.com. And I'll be um, commenting on my podcast there, um, as well as placing the podcasts uh, on the podcast site um, I will be getting the companion to this up soon which is the we went into a little bit tonight which is the mindset of why why we want to make more money what is the purpose of making more money why are we in real estate um, why are you in real estate please email me I would love to know why um, let me know what you think of the podcast, what we, you know, what I've told you we'll be going over. A lot of it will be business, lead generation, how to run your business like a business. Um, and I look forward to your insights, uh, your experiences, and sharing them with you. 
sharing them back with you and others. So uh, please have a wonderful day, and we will talk to you next time.